Well, it is quite a milestone. Any any business that survives a couple of decades is doing pretty good. If you've made four decades, you're doing something very, very right. And one of our Toowoomba icons is turning 40. And uh, no, sorry, Rube, it's not you. Oh, uh, yeah, oh no, I just wanted no. to be 40 again. <laughs> <laughs> Not for some time, oh, but beautiful. this is, of course, about our yeah. magnificent venue here. It became one of the staples for artists right across this country and indeed even international artists to come and play at. And this year it turns 40. And I and I mentioned Ruby Slippers, who's going to be joining me in this little podcast series, uh, to talk about this iconic venue, The Powerhouse. Good oh. morning. The House of Power. <laughs> Good morning to you. And look, I have to say it's quite a privilege to be able to talk about it because uh, I was there and I remember, you know, when it opened, being one of the first local bands to get a go. And yep. I was in a band called Hot Prospect at the time. Some people would remember. And uh, I think our our gig was supporting someone like Russell Morris. Um, fabulous. And, and, you know, just a great place to play. An incredible place to play. So Hot Prospect was one of your bands. Yes. It was just incredible that this gentleman by the name of Jim Aspermorgas saw what was needed in this city, and that was a venue. He already had rumours. I know there was a lot of places that were incredible, you know, that that were for young people. And I'm going way back now. I'm going to go across the road, the Coronet. Yeah, right, okay. Which is now... Toowoomba Sports Club. Ah, um, okay, yeah, Which yeah. pre that it was called the Princess. Yes. Okay. So that was the place where people danced. Also the Trades Hall. Yes. Opposite here. Russell which is Street just opposite here. Russell Street was Street. the place. It was the place it to be. It was the place to be. And then, and then, and then of course, in the 80s, and we get the power. Yeah, house. and we had a lot of venues. Like we had the Matador Lounge at the Rutherland Hotel. We had Charlie's yes. Bar at, uh, you know, now it's called Zach's. I yes. mean, now it's called Burke and Wills. But back then it was Telford's. You know, the, the list goes on. But the powerhouse was what we call the first rock venue. I mean, it was equal to Playroom. It was equal to Bombay Rock on the coast. Yeah. It was equal to. Um, Which are all gone. They're all gone. There's none left. No. No one. <laughs> no. And uh, and here we have this, you know, wonderful institution that, that remains there with all of these incredible memories, uh, thanks to Jim Aspromorgus. It uh, is. You it know. is. And, and, of course, his um, beautiful wife, Kath, who, um, you know, really works hard. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do. was Jim doing then prior to 83 that he, that he gets himself to a point where he says, right, I'm going to open a music venue. Okay, let me just even step back further because Rumours, as yep. I said, was opened in 81. Yes. We didn't get to celebrate that because of COVID. So we might uh, have okay. to, Lee, through you, yep. link up the celebration yes. somehow. Okay. Okay, so you're Rumours the man. is the first one. Rumours was the first okay. one. Okay. Okay, before that, uh, Jim, in leaving school, became a teacher which, uh, you know, he enjoyed. Yeah. However, he had a desire to be involved with the music industry. Yep. He really did enjoy that, uh, as did his brother, John. And they finally came up with a bit of an idea to put together their funds and, and get a club, yep. put a club together. But in the meantime... Jim worked very hard as a DJ Okay, in those days, yep. the disc jockey. Yeah. And you would find him at places like the White Horse Hotel. Yes. Uh, I know that he was huge 
in Gatton at the Royal Hotel. Right, okay. <laughs> there were more fights down there than, you oh, know. And this would have been the proper days of DJs oh. uh, with the milk crate full of uh, of singles. Yes. Uh, as opposed to now it's all just on the pads and things. Oh. Uh, but, you know, he would have been carting the records around uh, doing that, uh, you know, like a proper DJ. Absolutely. And he worked hard. Weddings, you know. What, what parties, is it? Everything. Weddings, parties, yeah. everything. He did that. And they probably played at one he, of these Yeah, things. and he really, really, yeah, I think he was, I think <laughs> yeah. they were there actually at the powerhouse. But, um, yes, he worked extremely hard and made his dream come true, which was first up Rumours and yep. then the rock venue. And, of course, pre-powerhouse, the rock venue was called the Green Griffin, which was run, uh, we used to have St. Pat's Bingo there. Okay. We, all those sorts of things. And there was also a club on a Saturday night called Champagne Charlie's, which Jim was involved in. And he was the DJ at Champagne Charlie's on a Saturday night. And that was the place to go. On Friday nights, they decided they'd open it for the under-18s. And you could go on Friday nights as well. So no one can ever say Jim Asper-Morgus hasn't worked. (laughs) Yes, Absolutely. Anyone that's carted those milk crates understand. Well, the thing is, he's still doing it. <laughs> yeah, he I is. mean, you know, I, I went to an event, you know, last year uh, that I'm hosting at Rumours, and uh, I get there, and there's a, you know, a cherry picker up at the one of the lights, and I can see somebody up there replacing a light. And it's dark. It's, you know, 7 o'clock at night, middle of winter. It's freezing cold. And I get out of the car, and I hear this, G'day, mate. G'day, Lee. <laughs> And I'm like, where's it? Oh, it's truth. I'm, I'm being spoken to from up above. Uh, and it was almost, it almost was. I'm like, oh, it, was Jim. it is. <laughs> it was Jim changing the light bulb in the cherry picker. I'm like, goodness me. But, you know, that is Jim, isn't it? He's amazing. That's Jim. I found him years later when, because uh, I've spent a lot of time working with Jim, working for Jim. Now, these days, I I do a lot of work uh, with him. I can remember back in probably early 90s when we started theatre restaurant productions. Yes. And he would call me and he'd say, what are you and Johnny doing tonight? And I think I'm working. I'm just going to go home and go to bed. And the Johnny is your husband. Johnny, yes, Johnny and Schneider. That we all know as sheriff. The sheriff which comes from these theatre restaurants. That's right. Yeah. And he'd say to me, "What are you doing?" I'd say, "Oh, well, nothing." Well. We're going to the coast. And I go, what? We're going to the coast or we're going to Brisbane or we're going whatever. And we'd be going down to Bentley's or we'd be going to Dracula's and we'd be going to see what was happening down there to get a feel of what we needed. So just just an incredible man. Always looking for ideas, always open to ideas. He opens up this rock venue. Yes. And and we're in Toowoomba. Now, even today, east of the range, uh, you know, there's still some uh, often reluctance and, and talk of, oh, well, it's, you know, it's a long way away. And I yeah. Don't so in the in the mid early 80s, I could only imagine that, you know, even more so. It's like, oh, where is this? So how confident was he at that point that he could fill this thing with these artists? And now that we've got the list, hindsight's incredible. But but was he confident then that, that the big names would come? Absolutely. And he would do, he would do the deals directly with the managers. I mean, we're talking Gadinsky. Yes. We're talking Wheatley. Yes. We're talking the big names. Yeah. Jim would talk to them direct. They would ask to speak to him direct. Wow. So there was no middleman. 
And that was the great thing. And we had had a bit of a history here, hadn't we? I mean, we had had the likes of the Easy Beats and ACDC with Bon Scott that would come and play at the Harristown Hall or, of course, down at Helladon and at Helladon Spa and so forth. So this area did have already a bit of a history of these artists coming to town. It did. And now he provides them with a proper... Uh, and 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 one of the things that a lot of them talk about is how well the acoustics and stuff yes. a place where they can really ply their craft. Oh yeah, yeah. And what what a great venue. I mean, if if you've never been in there with say nine hundred other people, you haven't lived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable! We found out when uh, when I had her co-hosting here, uh, Gina Jeffries oh, might have uh, Gina. might have grabbed you on the uh, on the rear end. Oh, she- uh, because uh, yeah, she was coyote hunting or I something. I know. She told me. I'm like, what is she that? She was very naughty. She was a little bum pincher. <laughs> She said, I was a little bum pincher. <laughs> Haven't we had some characters? I mean, oh, you know, just yeah, fantastic. I uh, And of course, that then leads into this extraordinary list of artists yes. that, that appears there. And uh, and some of the biggest names in Australian music that, uh, that made their way onto that stage. I mean, some of these bands were the biggest oh, on the scene yeah. in Australian music, the likes of, say, Australian Crawl, oh, who were just, beaches. wow. I mean, they, they're killing it on the charts. They're coming, you know, they're doing tours all over yeah. the place and they're playing big venues as well. And uh, and then, of course, they arrive here. I mean, that must have been brilliant. It was. It was brilliant. And, I mean, I can remember, as I said, I was probably 17 or yeah, you know, and all the girls that were going insane that Ozzy Crawl was coming because, of yeah. course, they were all in love with James oh, Rain. Oh, I mean, he was beautiful. And you I know mean, what? One of the sad things about that band is, gee, you know, they've lost most of their members. Yeah. I think there's only about two yeah. left, two yeah. or three. Yeah, because Guy McDonough uh, dying yeah. in the early days Very of the sad. band success and, uh, Very yeah, sad. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, but I have to tell you, at the time, mm. James Rain was on stage with the band. The place was packed. Everyone was sweating. It was fantastic. Love okay? it. They're seeing little boys light up. Oh, oh, little Errol. He walks yep. out and he's singing and he's got the leg up on the monitor, you know, oh, like yeah. they used the to do. so tight. And he's got on the white he's Jewish or not. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Lee, you're naughty. He's got on the white singlet with the sons of beaches across it, you know. Yes. And uh, the hair's perfect. And he's singing away and all of a sudden he stops the band and he goes, oh, you know, and he's, the, the crowd's getting closer and closer and closer. The crowd's getting closer and closer and closer. And he goes, that's it. He says, if you don't get back, I'm going to effing go home. No. Yes, he said he that. Because he to be a bit it cranky. It was shocking. Good old Toowoomba goes, well, effing go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's hard to go past names like the Angels. Oh, the Angels. Because, I mean, not only iconic uh, at the time, but, you know, they're, they're one of those bands, even despite losing Doc Neeson, and you thought once you, once you lost a front man like that, that would have to be it. They've still, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're packing out places all over the place to oh, this day. Uh, incredible. He was a very different man, wasn't he, Doc? I mean, a big, tall man, oh. an imposing presence. Mm-hmm. He had that deep voice. He was gorgeous. Uh, he was gorgeous. Well, from uh, my point sing, of view. Uh, could move. Uh, extraordinarily intelligent. Do you know, I have to tell you yeah. that I've had the opportunity to go and see the Angels a few times yep. with 
you know, with uh, Dave Gleeson up front. Yep. And um, I've got to tell I can't do it. It's I can't hard. do it to Doc. Yep. I can't do it to Doc. I know. I'll keep his memory because Dave Gleeson <laughs> up the front of the Angels is like Sandboy barbecue chips without a Coke. <laughs> right? If you're going to eat Sandboy chips, you, you drink Coke with it. Right? That, for me, Fair is, cool. it's, a, it's a personal thing. But anyway, we'll move on. And let me tell you about the Angels. Like, I mean, their heyday, yes. Lee, was really from around that. I mean, they kicked off in the early, well, mid-70s. Yes. Going through right up until, well, basically, Doc passed. And, I mean, they had a lot of changes because yep. Doc went off with a different Angels. The Brewster brothers went off with another group called the Angels. It was just a mess. It was a mess, wasn't but it, for a little while? they were together in 1996. Mm. And I remember it well because I was very preggy with my son. Yep. Harry. And maybe that's what made him a drummer. He went to the concert and heard all that rocking. Maybe. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, who should be, who should I be working with back then? I'm bringing up names, but John Crosh, who it was the John and Ruby show. Yeah, before I came. Well, you were there. We were working together then. Yes. Anyway, we went off to the show, yep. uh, Jim, we were with Jim and he said, look, I promised you I'd introduce you to the band and I'm going to take you guys back stage and meet them because we'd done interviews leading up to the concert, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So John Crosh, uh, as known to many, liked to have a, a little bit of an ale and he probably had a few too many. Yeah. Anyway, we go backstage and they gave a great performance. It was incredible. Little bit slower than their past ones because you could see they were, you know. Starting to get a bit older. Easing up the ladder. Easing up the ladder. Yes. Anyway, we go backstage (laughs) and we walk into the back room and here's this big tent, like an oxygen tent set up. Now, we make jokes about that. Yeah. You better have an oxygen tent ready. You better have oxygen ready. Well, let me tell you, Doc had one. Oh, wow. Doc was a, a terrible asthmatic. Is that right? Yes. So he had that there just in case. So that was all set up out the back. And then there was this big, huge, talking about riders yeah. for the bands. Yeah. A huge fruit platter. And then I think there was a couple of glasses of red wine and the Brewster brothers were sitting there having a glass of red wine (laughs) and Doc was having nothing but wiping his, you know, sweaty brow. And we walked in and you should have heard Croshy. Oh, this can't be real. (laughs) You've destroyed, you've destroyed my dreams. And these guys are looking at him as if to go, what's wrong with you? Because he's thinking sex, drugs and rock and roll. He's thinking, you know, bowls of blue M&Ms, Van Halen style, (laughs) uh, you know, all sorts of uh, things happening. And look, they were absolute gentlemen. And that was it. They were gentlemen. A glass of red wine and an oxygen tent. (laughs) I need that now. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that most mornings. 100%. Oh, fantastic. Oh, look. Oh, that is brilliant. There was also the show, Lee, which I'll go back many years before. Yeah. Uh, the Angels came to the powerhouse and it was when uh, Doc had been in a car accident. Yep. And he had, uh, I think it was a broken leg. Uh, anyway, they put this big barber's chair. Yeah. On the stage, because everyone walked in going, what's that barber's chair for? And this is the night that Johnny Diesel and the Injectors played as they were the support band. Right, This okay. new band, brand new band. And 
they were fantastic. But then the angels came on and just blew them away because they were amazing. Because Doc, as you know, was known for his onstage antics of jumping yes. around and climbing, climbing different parts yeah, of the stage. I remember well, he that. was stuck in this barber's chair, oh. but he still rocked it. Rocked it. He rocked it to the max. What a talent! That is absolutely fantastic. Well, Ruby, that might do us for this edition of Memories of the Powerhouse. 40 years in the making. It's absolutely incredible. Coming up on Saturday night, February 25, a reliving of the incredible times there, taking you back to 1983 with three great local bands and a special guest performance too by our guest Ruby Slippers. So keep an eye on our listener app here and our Downs and Surrounds section for more on the 40 years of the powerhouse.